This is the podcast between an old school mentor and a digital mentee on managing and or working with people, navigating a career, growing profits, and not killing your coworkers along the way. Now let's join the consultant, Hayden Shaw, and the millennial who fixes Hayden's iPhone, Seth Tower Heard. This is the show about navigating a career, growing your profits, and hopefully not killing your coworkers along the way. My name is Seth Tower Heard. I run a company called Digital Profit Farm, and also I'm an occasional syndicated radio host and journalist. He's Hayden Shaw. He's helped over 30,000 managers, some of the biggest companies in the world, and a ton of small to medium-sized family businesses, smaller corporations, and nonprofits. And this is the episode where we actually argue in favor of TV making you a better manager. Now, I, I grew up with like the TV is going to kill your brain cells thing. Like I'm an elder millennial. So it was literally like TV is sniffing glue. Like you will just, by the time you're 21, if you watch TV, you're going to, you're going to be drooling in a corner. It's one of those things that never came through. Kind of like they told me that my whole generation was going to um, have massive hearing loss from using headphones too much and playing music too loud. And actually hearing loss has gone down consistently decade after decade. Um, so here we are. My brain isn't mush and I can hear you. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that TV was an enriching aspect to your life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So specifically in the business world, even if you don't watch these two shows, uh, well, first of all, you, you might want to check them out at some point. Uh, you know, if you got a flight or you're home with the flu or something like that. And second of all, even whether or not you watch them, the principles we're going to discuss are very applicable. Uh, and the fact that they're on TV actually says a lot about where the culture is at. Uh, and that's why it's worth breaking down. The line that used to separate business, politics, uh, entertainment, and pop culture, those lines aren't really there. Those things all bleed into each other anymore. So if you're going to be in business in, eight, in 2018, you got to understand how those things are going to bleed over. Uh, and, you know, we can be super idealized and say, oh, I wish things were the way they used to be, where you didn't discuss, you know, religion or politics at uh, dinner with your friends or at the bar or whatever. But uh, that world does not exist anymore. So we got to figure out how to navigate the new rules. And whatever you think, this is a this is a bipartisan comment. But yes, the uh, uh, with a president who uses social media more than social media people use social media, uh, it is impossible to avoid talking religion, politics, um, or uh, international terrorism um, <laughs> because it is now it is now the stuff of Twitter and Facebook. Yes. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into what I, I think was sort of the end of the, the Gen X uh, exclusive business era, which was uh, the, uh, the show, The Office. I would say this is the moment when I look back at my own career, I realized that I was, you know, I'm an elder millennial. I'm the first year of the generation, uh, according to Hayden, who has two books on this stuff. So he's, you know, Kind of an so authority apparently figure. I'm right. <laughs> um, you know, I look at the world I stepped into. I started writing for a magazine I still contribute to uh, 15 years later called Relevant when I was 20 years old. And I look at that and I was, I mean, probably the only millennial at the time that was contributing to it. It was very much a Gen X run and a Gen X facing um magazine. And since then, I now work with an editor who's 11 years my junior. Uh, and it's very much more a millennial magazine uh, in, you know, in the, the operations and everything. And the rules are different there. Um, so I look at the office as like the tail end of the millennials starting to get into the workforce. And that was pretty much an exclusively Gen X show. 
um, like those actors are pretty much the, the bottom end of the, um, the generation X era. Right. And you see stuff that I think the, the fact that office space and the office parody, this stuff actually killed off a lot of like the really corny team meeting, uh, team building stuff. Um, a lot of the like meetings that were just quote unquote around motivation that like were pretty much just Amway conferences that used to happen a lot in corporate America and in small to medium sized businesses and nonprofits as well, because they thought that, they should be copying the big boys above them. Uh, and this is before smaller businesses came in and destroyed monolithic ideas quickly. Like, you know, the office existed before Uber came in and, and for all pre- intents and purposes, destroyed the cab industry. Right. Uh, so those, that kind of cultural stuff of like how you ran your business, like very top down, a lot of like weird motivation stuff. Um, and it is a parody, but it also points to the way, like it's parodying something, right? So it points to the way things were at the time. Uh, would you agree with that? I think that's completely right. Okay. Um, so that show came in and, and apparently it had a huge following in the first season among managers before it got, uh, and not that it didn't later, but before it got really um, character driven when it was more actually about the events of the modern workplace. Uh, it had a, 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 I was in grad school at the time. Yeah, it, it was more like a, a serial of office, office space, that classic movie that I mean, gets quoted almost as much as spinal tap by managers in their thirties, uh, forties, and sometimes in their fifties. Yeah. Uh, so that was very top down management. Uh, and it was everybody kind of trying to avoid the boss, like trying not to trying to handle him with kid gloves, not deal with him, get around him. Uh, this actually reminds me as well of the way that Steve jobs ran Apple. And obviously Steve jobs, one of the, the greatest business people of our generation. However, uh, it, it might've been you that told me the story on the podcast. Steve would, um, apparently if he ran into you in the elevator, he'd ask you what you're working on. He would get obsessed with it and either you would quit out of frustration or get fired because he wasn't happy with your work. If you're an engineer, no, so I, everybody learned- I, I did not tell you that story. Mm-hmm. So people wind up finding ways in and through the building, uh, that, uh, that, that they didn't run into Steve. That's the old era. The new era of the way it's portrayed on television of boss employee interaction. Uh, the bold type is about uh, three millennial, younger millennial women uh, that are running a magazine or that are in the magazine world, kind of a Cosmo uh, type of women's magazine. And in that there's three, like 25 year olds. And there's a couple of times in season one where, uh, you know, one of the three main characters just absolutely blows up at the magazine editor, like just loses it. And, the editor, the boss is not a pushover, but I feel like if that, sh- if that scene would have taken place in the office where somebody just screamed at uh, Michael Scott, they, that that person would be fired. And now we're in a different era um, where people, you know, for better or worse, you can expect employees to speak their minds more. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, that's probably a little intense um dramatized for tv that a person could scream at their boss and be okay but yeah michael scott would not have uh, michael scott would not have allowed that um whereas if you got good talent um letting them be emotional and you know giving them a pass on things is uh is definitely more expected today than and i think i think the uh, i think those shows capture those differences and you could say it's generational. I think it's more era driven. Okay. Um, uh, good talent will go someplace else. Michael 
uh, that's part of what the office was about. The good talent there. It was a parody. It, the parody was that the good talent actually stayed and the good talent isn't what you expected it to be. And the good talent was never in management. Okay. Um, one of my favorite Michael Scott lines of the whole time is they're off on this, on the, they went to the lake to try to figure out who would replace him. And Michael Scott says, it probably should be Jim, but I don't, I, I don't really trust him. He gets all his work finished in like an hour and a half. So, and I, I, I don't understand that. And so basically the high performing person didn't have any shot at management because he wasn't slow enough. And um, yeah, so I, I just, for me, that was the ultimate in boss stupidity is um, that he could do in an hour and a half what they took them all day long to do. And therefore he was, uh, you know, unqualifiable. And so as a result, Jim and Pam were the only two characters who were really all that capable and everything else was a cartoon or a parody. And, um, and there wasn't any reason why they stayed other than they became central characters to the show. Um, and today, people really work hard to keep talent, especially the 4% employment. That's a game changer. If you had high unemployment, you would have the Millennium Classic Girls from HBO. Although, I didn't see it, but I heard they had trouble keeping clothes on. The, um, um, but Girls was about a, a, you know, a tough place where if your old man wasn't supporting you, you couldn't live in New York. And, you know, this show is about where you can scream at your boss because it's hard to find good talent. Okay, so I want to camp out there for a second because I would say that this is a place where I'm a pretty millennial manager. I can think of a couple times when I was leading a larger team where in one, at one point somebody actually slammed their pen down, stormed out, and I just said, well, you know, let's, let's give that person some time to cool off. We'll keep going and we'll get their input a little bit later. Uh, yeah. And like, I, I honestly thought that was fine. Now, of course there's limits to it, right? Like, you know, I mean, if I had a, um, you know, a, I would assume this would only probably happen with a male employee, but a cocky like male employee, if that person shoved me or something, I'd be like, okay, you're gone now. And there are, no, that's exactly right. And the, the, the equivalent in, um, you know, kind of the equivalent in the, male and female space it was when somebody like hits on you. Um, and uh, um, so she used a male a violent example, the power, because um, sexuality in the workplace is, especially with the boss and subordinates or between a intense cocky um, here is almost never sexual. It's almost always power dynamics. And so one, you know, one male pushing another male, um, Hashtag you're an idiot is, um, or I make me too, is <laughs> kind of the, kind of the equivalent of that. Yeah. You yeah. just, thank you. You need to leave now. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I would say I'm not, a, I was, I've never been a pushover boss because I did tell, uh, um, when I had a, a situation, okay, you're, of, what? You're, you're like six foot 11, <laughs> six foot six. No, you are not a pushover boss. No. And well, I, I did, I had a situation where uh, I had a, um, a situation with chronic lying going on and a situation with a lot of gossip going on. And I told a group of employees, I said, if this happens again and I get a text message that it happened and I'm in a meeting I'm going to send you a two word text message that says you're fired and you'd better be out of the building by the time I'm out of that meeting, or you're going to be even more upset than losing your job. 
which was actually a dumb thing to say because I wasn't physically threatening them. I, I meant I'm, I'm going to yell at you in front of everybody. So you might as well just clear out. Um, yes, it, I probably needed a little more clarity, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's, that's almost flipped of the old, the old ways. You, you know, you um, mentored and counseled me early on that uh, when you've got a, a difficult employee, what you really want to do is you want to manage them out. You want to tell them everything they did wrong every time, stay on them and don't be a jerk about it. Either they're going to get drastically better or they're probably, unless they're crazy, they're going to find a new job real quick. Right. You know, that's, that's right. And just to give a little clarity on that for folks, um, who are in this very situation. A lot of us are, I'm mad now, or I'm frustrated now, and I am a sprinter, but I'm not a long distance runner. And for gossip, for lying, for situations like that, that are harder to prove, I was pushed. I was propositioned. Um, you, uh, you, you, I think you have accidentally, um, bumped my bottom about 20 times in the last three months and I'm sick of it. All that, that kind of stuff, that's pretty obvious. You either did or you didn't stuff. Some of the other things are harder to do, harder to write up, harder to prove, matter of judgment. And so because of this, they're marathon kinds of terminations where you manage a person out. And if you can keep your cool and you can literally bring it up every time. Hey, I'm glad for our one-on-one. I just want to talk about three things. And the person's like, seriously, dude, you need to back off. And you're like, and you just smile and go, hey, let's talk about this again. Let's talk about this again. And then you start writing things down on a piece of paper. Maybe not the official form. I always propose a soft, uh, not always, often in these kind of things as part of the marathon, I propose a soft um, write-up. It's still legally binding, but person watch you giving, you know, you're writing down what you said. They're like, what are you writing me up? No, no, this isn't official. I'm just taking notes this time. So it doesn't seem like we're making progress. And the person's like, dude, you just wrote this down. This is getting serious. And three more write those down. And suddenly you're pulling up the forms on your tablet. He just wanted to bring the laptop along and put it on official forms. This is on the J drive. Yeah, we're on SharePoint. I'm uh, filling out an official um, statement with HR, I, I, you know, with this official reprimand. And this is going in my file. You're like, what do you think the things we've been writing down on pieces of paper are going? It's not my own personal stationery. I'm scanning them into your file. Yes, it's all been in your file. So is every time I've talked to you, been written down in my running log. And by the way, for those of you who marathon, this is the absolute best reason to keep paper. A lot of times people are like, well, I didn't write any of that down while we were talking. Okay, that's a sophomore mistake in management. You carry some kind of paper, you write down, hey, I had this meeting with so-and-so, and you just jot down some notes because when you need to go back and demonstrate that you've talked to a person about something for nine months, you can go back to your notes and nobody's going to go, if you're keeping running notes, there's no room to go back and fake notes. And so nobody's going to buy an entire notebook and make stuff up for a year so they can nail somebody when it didn't happen, it all stands up in court. So um, if you don't get anything out of this today, the most practical thing is carry paper and jot down the date, the time and who you talk to. And especially if it's positive, you can go back and get people performance reviews that they're worthy of so that they wanna stay. And if it's negative, 
with HR, you don't have to go back and rebuild it. It stands up in court. All right, I'm done. So let me let me uh, do one more point on on this before we move on. Um, you know, so about the the younger millennials yelling at. Wow, managers. this is the most awful coffee. My son's a good man. He brought me some that they make downstairs for work, and I'm such a coffee snob. <laughs> I'm working in my I'm working in a conference room where my son works because we're I am uh, doing a work day on a three week road trip, and. Um, and with my granddaughter at a year and a half running around the house, she knocks on the door and wants to come in and help me. And um, there's really no place to work in there. Very nice, but little tiny house. And so, I yeah, and, you know, and Amanda and I are having our first in two months here. Uh, and although yes, I are. love children and they're very cute, they're not necessarily great for um, podcasts. <laughs> they're great for background noise. Yeah, that which is not great for podcasts. Okay, so one other thing before we move on in that, as far as like, you know, an employee yelling at a manager like that and or being very emotional, uh, the bold type uh, does, a, which by the way, that's on Freeform, which used to be ABC <laughs> Family, and it's kind of become an unexpected hit. Um, it does a pretty good job of showing these three 24-year-olds first season, 25-year-olds second season, um, you know, so fairly realistic of what, what it's like to like maybe get through a couple internships and get into your first job without grad school, right? Sometimes it takes a year. They do a pretty good job of showing them walking through the emerging adulthood stage, uh, which, you know, I, I thought we could unpack here. So, you know, I think there are two, you talked, you know, you, one of the things you've talked about a lot is emerging adulthood. So to that in between of post-college to full-fledged adulthood, and you gotta understand employees are in that. I would say too, that maybe one thing I haven't heard you talk about is like we need to give people, uh, employees a chance to get through that as managers and help them and help them grow. And then also probably we need to realize that there's a point where some of them are not gonna get through it. We need to, we need to clear them out. Well, it's true. I think, um, you know, I think one of the things about the bold type that's realistic is it doesn't do drama for drama's sake. Mm -hmm. um, the drama naturally comes out of the kind of situations in their personal <clears throat> and work relationships that where normal emotions come out and people are um, uh, a lot of meta, a lot of uh, the metaphor I use most often because I'm old is baseball. They're taking at bats at things. They're trying, you know, they're 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 learning how to cope with stuff, and they've not they've not necessarily killed off their emotions like people in um, the office did. Because part of the way you cope as you get older is you kill off your emotions. It's also one of the things that's really become difficult on marriages, for example. It's why marriages um, often, they don't necessarily break up, but they get into a pretty serious rut, um, often when people in their 30s, because you, you begin to cauterize your emotions in order to just handle the sheer volume of stuff. Fun to watch my son. Um, I said, wait, uh, you got a garage door open? He goes, yeah, but it didn't work. Um, I said, that's probably because it did work. He goes, yeah, one out of 10 times it does. I said, it's probably batteries, son. And, and he just rolled his eyes because once you have a house, it never ends. And so I thought to myself, he has now experienced it. He's experienced fatherhood and he's experienced the mind numbing droneness of there is always stuff to do and you are never free. And that's part of what puts people into when they talk about you're just in a rut. And uh, I don't know that they're in that yet. Uh, there's the natural drama of things being new. And so I think that's one of the most realistic things about the show is it doesn't have, it doesn't have made up for TV drama. Yeah. Um, 
And of which Mad Men was about half made up for TV drama and half reali- realistic to go back to TV for business. Yeah. By the way, I would say that Mad Men, as far as TV for business, if you can find a YouTube mashup of just the business stuff, some of those moments as somebody who's worked in, you know, worked in advertising, worked in media, worked in messaging are so good. And then there's just so much dumb crap in between. Like it's, it's honestly, I thought it was a very slow show. I couldn't stick with it. It didn't move places fast enough. Um, but I, I I'm going to pose that question to you again. Cause I don't think we landed on it. Okay. So, you know, younger millennials, yeah, we're, yeah, we're about to have, um, you know, in about four years, we'll have Gen Gen Z and in the, or whatever they're called, right. Digital natives, whatever they're called in the, uh, in the workforce, we're still on younger millennials when emerging adulthoods don't ever emerge. (laughs) I mean, it's been two years, three years. You gotta, you hired a 25 year old, they're a 27 year old and they're no better. Uh, you know, you, you talked about the natural way that people get through that. Like with your son is they get married and or have a child and or something like that, that like kind of, you know, makes them a little more serious. And I, I actually think it's good. I think that the energy of younger millennials and or that life stage is good. Uh, it's why everybody loves being around colleges. It's so much fun. You just have to realize that they're going to bring some mistakes to the table and bring some, um, you know, and bring some more handholding to the table. Cause that's just where they're at in your career. You hired them. That's what you signed up for or, you know, or you, no, no, you no, take no. over the team. And it's a really a match made in heaven because survey after survey of why people like to manage. You know, it's interesting. Ronstadt discovered that in the word of work survey that 51% of people said they'd never be a manager. So less than half of people would even consider it. When asked, why do you want to do it when there's more hours and not enough pay for additional hours? Why would you want to do this? The biggest reason people say it's because I make a meaningful contribution to people's lives. Who needs a meaningful contribution and really wants somebody to offer them help and show them the hacks? Um, younger millennials are the most open to that feedback. I mean, Seth, last week I was doing a program for um, um, a software company, and there was a millennial who works in a, in a, in a trade publication who did a presentation. She, I came to it because it was on millennials in, in the grocery business. And she said to me, oh, good, I'd love feedback afterwards. And I said, hey, you did a really good job. She goes, yeah, but what could I do to improve? And I'm like, oh, this is not what my generation would have done, or even Xers. Xers said they wanted feedback, but you would never have asked for it in real time. I said, well, she goes, yeah, but is there anything I can improve? I said, well, yeah, maybe one or two things. She goes, good. That's what I've been waiting for. And uh, the idea that I need to, uh, I want to know what to do better from people who are, and would you please knock off a lot of the being nice to me, comforting stuff. Um, uh, and the whole sandwich technique. I think it last week was a really good example of that. There are people who really want that, who really find that valuable and have kind of found their place, who've kind of found their place. And, uh, there, uh, um, and there are other people in emerging adulthood who just really don't get there, who really don't find their legs, don't find their place for into their early 30s. And um, you may not have the patience for that. And okay. a lot of people don't. Okay. I, so if they're not making it, then you have those managing out conversations or you fire them. People will come and pull me up all the time and say, I don't know what else to do with them. Fire them. <laughs> fire <laughs> them now. Just because they're younger millennial doesn't mean you don't fire them. But I would feel so cruel. 
Why? It's the best thing that would happen to an irresponsible person is you learn that you don't get money by being irresponsible. Yeah. Well, I, the reason I asked that, and there we go, fire them. That's what we landed on. Because I would say that this isn't necessarily a generational thing. Actually, uh, you know, I know some folks at Dave Ramsey's organization, the uh, gigantic, uh, <laughs> the gigantic, uh, you know, financial radio show, that type of thing. And, you know, story that came out of there about a woman that was, I mean, I think in her forties and still just gossiping about people. And she got told a bunch of times. And you would think that's like a basically just emerging adulthood tendencies, you know, um, in her forties, they, they talked about this on a podcast. Right. And, uh, and they said, you know, there's nothing else to do. She'd been warned. She had a 90 day review. They said the next time you're out gossiping about somebody or, you know, we just don't roll like this and they fired her. Uh, and you know, by age, she should have been far past that, but people don't always continue to mature as adults just because, uh, the, you know, the year ticks up on their driver's license. So just fire them. Uh, Seth, that's really well said. It is you have captured it perfectly. And I think we can probably begin to wrap up on what you just said. Um, there are some people who are low drama and high professionalism who are just not had a lot of bats. And therefore they get into some emotional situations or some dramatic situations that they don't handle well and need to figure out how to handle better. And sometimes those of us who get older cauterize our emotions. And that's probably not helpful as a way of coping. Um, and that doesn't help at all of life. And it you know, tends to lead to, it tends to lead to people looking for, for something outside of what they have. And so there's some downsides of that. But um, um, learning what to do with our emotions just comes with things over time, except some people don't. Some people have some mental illnesses. Some people have some emotional trauma. Some people just don't grow up. And frankly, and if you're a manager, this is a big deal. Some people were not supervised well. My mentor said it this way when I was complaining about someone I was supervising who um, was emotionally immature. And he said, well, he's not had good supervision for 15 years, and you don't know if he can be a performer or not because he's not had good supervision. I said, yeah, but he drives me crazy. And he said, okay, but he's not had good supervision. In a year and a half, come and talk to me about it because it's your job to give him good supervision. And you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to deal with the passive aggressiveness that he's learned through years of bad supervision. And so you need to pull your big boy pants on. These are his ex words. You need to pull yeah. your big boy pants on and you need to run the marathon of giving him good supervision and see if he can be a good employee because right now nobody knows made me mad. And I went home and told my wife and she went, I've been telling you that for six months. And so that didn't help at all. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me say two things as we land the plane here. Uh, and it's funny cause we, we sort of just landed on, um, younger employees being more aggressive and how to help them mature and transitioning as a boss, helping transition people from emerging adulthood into full fledged adulthood. And hopefully they have, um, you know, uh, hopefully they have, uh, maturity and a good experience and add value to the company. Couple thoughts there. The first one is that I actually get excited. Um, even though I would say like on, you know, tasks and stuff like that, I'm not as good a manager as a lot of people. I get it done. I'm running a company. I got to be a manager and a leader. We did an episode on that. However, uh, I would say that I actually really like helping people, uh, develop in their careers. And, I realized that where I'm going to be at as we start adding team members is what I'm going to be able to afford is 
people just out of college or people in their thirties and forties that aren't that good. Um, so I'm going to take the, 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 uh, the former and I actually really, really like helping people develop their careers. Is that, I mean, is that fair to say that's probably what I can afford? I love what Kim Blanchard said in the one minute manager or leadership in the one minute manager. I forget which one it is. Cause I'm old. He said it this way. You can either hire the talent you need, or you can grow the talent you need. If you don't have the money to hire the talent you need, the only way to get it is to grow it. And that's uh, really kind of the premise of what he was trying to do is show people how to give the kind of feedback in one minute manager. And seriously, if you haven't read it, I know we did an episode on books. If you ever read the one minute manager, it sold over 10 million copies for a reason. It basically showed people how to get other people to grow and develop. And uh, that's it, Seth. I can't, um, you got to grow it if you can't afford it. And most small business people get it if they're lucky or get it because they grow it. Okay. So last thing here, and then I'm, I will just say, um, you know, we would love to for you to hit us back on social media. And uh, I would be curious as to what TV shows you think accurately portray work in 2018. Uh, but I will say about the yelling at your boss, about younger employees being super um, emotional. When I was probably 24 or 25, I hit back at another, um, uh, another employee, uh, team member. There was a couple steps above me, probably two steps above me. There was a department head in another department. Uh, and uh, I got verbally reprimanded for hitting back. Uh, and basically I said, you're trying to throw your department's work onto us. Uh, and you know, we don't understand how to do that. That's not our job. Um, and you know, I was a person that had tried to work interdepartmentally and, and I just had my ideas not get done. Everybody said they were good. Um, and I think one of the reasons that you have to consider as a manager, the younger employee might snap back at that real hard is you got to at least consider the possibility that they're right. Because one of the things I found out in entrepreneurship that is to the detriment of virtually every company I've ever worked for is the stuff I wasn't able to get greenlit or wasn't able to get done. Um, I'm right about it because it's working now that I can do whatever I want. Uh, and I would hate for you as a manager to miss something that could increase your profitability, that could help you with employee retention, that could make you a stronger company uh, just because you didn't listen to somebody that's 24. I have nothing to add to that other than you're right again. Okay. Uh, he's Hayden Shaw, peopledrivenresults.com. You can grab his free videos right there. Your people and process issues are not going to fix themselves. You can stumble through them for years, or you can hit up Hayden, uh, peopledrivenresults.com, especially if you're dealing with employee retention stuff right now and or the managerial issues that uh, you know we hit, ran up against in this episode. My name is Seth Tower Heard. Digitalprofitfarm.com is where you can find me. I run an agency that does uh, websites and SEO, social media management, and reaches tens of thousands of people every single month with podcasting. And we would love to help you over there. Uh, you can search the Facebook group and talk to other like-minded people uh, who are growing their careers and have a safe space to talk about uh, what's going on with you without, you know, doing the office gossip thing. You can swipe over to your podcast notes or check out the uh, description of this video and hop over there and uh, meet some great people. This is a consultant, the millennial, and we will see you next week.